I would have been happy, Caddy and Hoops, and if he got a couple of weeks suspension. For I what? just uh, for being a goose. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello and welcome, dear listener, to this special investigative edition of Fire Up, coming to you on the Diamantina Podcast Network. We're in crackdown week 10 and the cracks are showing in the crackdown. We're in lockdown week four and it looks like we'll be locked down for a while. This is episode 16 of the 2021 Fire Up season. But this week, we're going to leave the war between the Volandites and the anti-Volandites alone. This week, we're running a special, in-depth, scientific investigation. Here at Fire Up, we've always been big on arousal. Harnessing the power of arousal is the key to art, life, Science and Rugby League. The very name Fire Up comes from the words of our great sage and patron, Mark Gaznier, the king of arousal and sore spurting, who believes that all sad Carmichael Hunts should fire up. And wasn't it great to see Carmichael Hunt back in Rugby League this week? But we've oft discussed the perils of being over-aroused, the inverted U of arousal and performance, when being too aroused reduces one's faculties of control, order, rational thought and sensible decision-making, when the red mist of over-aroused fury descends across the temporal lobe. This week, there has been a plethora of examples of such over-arousal. So we've reached out to preeminent neurologist, neuroscientist and neuromantic, who by the look of his hair is still looking for that TV sound, Chris Gale, to discuss this oh-so-rugby-league phenomenon. Chris, what do you good folk in the neurological world call this phenomenon? Well, great to be with you, Dennis. Uh, I apologise here to all the listeners. I am going to use the Latin to describe this phenomenon, and the Latin for this phenomenon that's plaguing rugby league in the last round is brain snaps. Right. So that's the Latin term. That is the Latin term. For a, for a layman, what would you say? How would you say that in layman's terms? Brain snap. Oh, brain snap. Right. Okay. Yeah, yes. I'm well, glad we cleared that up. Yeah, a lot of confusion there, but boy, what a weekend it was and so many brain snaps. It stretches all the way back to last week. And it's, it's, it's is it a desperate attempt by Volandis? Has Volandis been putting out to the players' players have some brain snaps. Get over aroused because we need to distract people. Is this to do? Is this, in fact, unlike what I was saying in the intro, is this some throwback where they're trying to distract from how rubbish the rugby league is? They're trying to distract from the blowouts? Is that what's going on here? And I think it's absolutely necessary up until we came to the last Sunday of Round 18 where there was some magnificent football put on, and I refer, of course, to the West Tigers' victory over the Brisbane Broncos at Suncourt Stadium. But you're absolutely right, Dennis. We've been talking about all the things that Volantis had to do to take people's attention off the football, having saved Rugby League. There's talk of Channel 9's new coverage approach where they'll be doing live Zoom calls to the families and actually putting the game in a little letterbox. The harbinger of distracting the public from the action, of course, has been this plague of brain snaps. And it's terrific because it gives us something to talk about because let's face it, Dennis, if we had to talk about the calibre of rugby league that's been played at the moment, it would be a very, very distressing and unhappy conversation for millions of Australians who are in lockdown and if that's all they've got to look forward to. So thank you, Peter Volantis. Thank you, Horseman, for delivering a round of brain snaps that has been without parallel. Well, let's get into it. There was, there was a, there's so many to choose from, but is there any particular one that really stood out to you? Something caught my eye, Dennis, and it's brain snap number one. That's a snap. 
the brain snap, of course, I'm referring to, and I continue to question this, is it Vodafone warrior Kane Evans, who had a complete brain snap in failing to understand that with about 37 cameras per sideline, all in high definition, ultra HK, 5G vaccination, AZ, Pfizer quality, there's nothing that gets missed by the electronic eye these days, Dennis. And Kane was seen sitting on the bench as his capacity as 18th man for the Warriors with a motivational message strapped to his wrist. I don't know if you caught that message. Well, I did see, and, and I'm, I referred to this back in the, in the intro, that the, it, he's calling on Carmichael Hunt. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the message read, and I quote, fold some Carmichael Hunt exclamation mark. And I might be doing him a disservice there because there could have been more than one exclamation mark. But um, it certainly generated a lot of controversy and a lot of attention. So was it plural Carmichael Hunts or just <laughs> singular Carmichael Hunt? Uh, Kane Evans understands that rugby league, when you boil it down to its absolute essence, Dennis, despite all the, the modern concern about the, the wrestle and multiple people in the tackle, essentially it's a mano a mano one-on-one contest. So he's gone for the singular when and if he got out there. And despite the Warriors losing four players in the first half, in his capacity as 18th man, he still legally couldn't get out there. But had he got out there, he's targeting an individual Carmichael Hunt. He's not going for this diluted team grapple plurality in society. He says, let's just keep it single. Let's keep it simple. Let's go, baby. Well, well, this is what you think. But is, is, it quite, is it possible that, in fact, he's not talking about other players? Is it possible that, in fact... He's using Carmichael Hunt as a euphemism for something he dislikes. For instance, um, folded fitted sheets. Fitted sheets are they're quite difficult to fold. They're historically, it's a real you know, like whether you're a Volandite or an anti-Volandite, it's a real thing to just divide people up. But I personally, I have the technique of folding fitted sheets. Has he perhaps not worked it out and he's really angry and his thing was, I'm going to fold some of those Carmichael hunting fitted sheets when I get home tonight. Well, Dennis, you might be onto something here. As we know, all the rugby league teams, with the exception of the Queensland teams, are now in the new bubbles, be they in Brisbane, the Sunshine Coast, or the Gold Coast. Now, the Warriors, I think, from memory of the Gold Coast, I could be wrong. And they're staying in these accommodations, and, of course, they're serviced accommodations. And if there's one thing that Kane likes, it's a well-made bed. And he is coming back from exhausting training sessions, exhausting team bonding sessions, organised by Nathan Brown around the ping-pong table in the resort, exhausting sessions on the paddle boats out on the artificial lake. And he's coming back <laughs> and he's finding that his bed's not made properly. Oh. And he's, he's at his absolute wit's end. And he's just gone to the service team at the said resort. He said, <laughs> watch the game and you'll see what I'm after. <laughs> so I think it was a very direct message to the service team at the, various, at the particular resort that the Warriors are ensconced in the NRL Southeast Queensland Bubble, And I don't think they'll be under any illusions what the message was. I mean, there are other theories. Some thought that uh, it was a welcome to the team message to Matt Lodge, who simply put the word Carmichael Hunt on his wrist several years ago, uh, playing uh, junior origin football for the New South Wales Blues. And, you know... (laughs) Let's let's face it. Madge has had his uh, Matt Lodge has had his travails over recent years, yes. and uh, possibly you know how do I how do I welcome him, making feel that he's part of the team? Put a message on my wrist that says "Fold some Carmichael Hunt." Fold him into uh, the team. Maybe he's saying he wants to fold him up with the team, like yes, wrap him up in the. Yes. It's part of the team, part of the well-oiled machine that the Warriors sitting welcome in the 14th him. position on the mm. on the table. And then, of course, 
It's also not well known, and this could be the other explanation, and I think it's unlikely, but uh, I believe that um, Kane is a bit of an origami fan. And right. Kane, Kane, as we know, doesn't do things by half measures, and we go back to the big Papi video where he was shadow boxing as part of the entertainment. <laughs> uh, he, very, he's a member of that. Speaking of arousal, that was obviously very erotic shadow boxing. <laughs> that, that was arousal yeah. of the first kind. And, and let me tell you, uh, Dylan Napa committing to that uh, to film brain snap. <laughs> um, uh, I believe that Kane is interested. He may not yet be a paying member of the EOAOA, which is the Extreme Origami Association of Australia. Mm. But let me tell you, when those origami guys get together, they go off. And let me tell you, they fold some Carmichael Hunt. I can tell you. I bet they do. Now, I did notice during the uh, earlier this week, and we are recording on a Wednesday, which is a very rare thing for us. It's given us a whole extra day of the week to prepare stuff. Ha! There's this thing very, very... Like, we talk about rugby as being a 19th century throwback. There's actually a pre-Christ throwback coming up, a, a BC throwback. Um, the Olympics... They're bringing back. Yes. And in the Olympic Village, um, to stop the shenanigans, the uh, Jai Arrow-style shenanigans from going on, the Japanese have made these cardboard beds such that they can't support the weight of two people. Now, could it be, could it be that those beds are collapsed, that they've got the same beds and they're collapsing under the weight? Because the Japanese are thinking the average body weight, you know, He's 60, 70 kilos. He got a couple of hundred kilos of angry front forward, front row forward, lying on the bed. It's just collapsing. It's folding. And so perhaps he's <laughs> sending a message there. Matt Lodge would be the same. He'd be, those beds would be folding under him too. Yeah, it's a plea for the safety of the athletes. And let's face it, uh, the safety of the athletes clearly paramount in this Olympics. As I believe someone's trying to tell me the latest number of athletes testing positives is 70. So, I'm really worried that my plans of two week of lockdown where I'll be working hard, i.e. watching the Olympics 24-7, <laughs> may well be jeopardised. And uh, to think that it all start, started with a, a noble gesture to the environment to make beds out of cardboard, it's, just, it's, uh, it's yeah. quixotic in the extreme. Now, this, so this organisation you mentioned, the Extreme Origami People, yes, are they tied to your PWA pals? Is there some corporate link there? No, but I, I tell you what, the skills in extreme origami are transferable to professional wrestling. There's no doubt about it because you, you're taking raw material, i.e. paper or the human body, and you're contorting it and twisting it in ways that has never been conceived of before, whether you're folding some Carmichael Hunt a la <laughs> uh, Kane Evans or you're putting on maybe, say, the throne, which is uh, one of the pattern of moves of uh, Paris De Silva, one of the tag team champions or former tag team champions at PWA, the Spartan Spirit. Well, speaking of signature moves in the PWA, could I put it to you that your opponent is in front of you, is walking yes. away from you, is maybe yes. throwing some callous remarks about perhaps you belong in reserve grade over your at you? What Talking would a move be called if you were to there on your right? You put your left arm around right around them, you grab their shoulder and you throw them to the ground. Then everyone else piles on top of you while they come out from underneath. What would that move be called? Again, being uh, an expert in what we call brain snaps, Dennis, I'll have to use the Latin here. We call that the Lachlan Lewis. The Lachlan Lewis. Interesting name. Because on, on Sunday evening, Lachlan Lewis of the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs had what we call in the industry a brain snap. 
<laughs> and what a cracker it was. So Cody Walker's just walking off innocently. Um, Cody Walker, I guess he gives a bit of lip, but it's not like he's Will Chambers or anything. He's not really full of it. So, but it, it, everyone was lost for words. No one could understand exactly what had happened. That Lachlan Lewis, it was, it was perhaps one of the greatest brain snaps. It came from out of nowhere. He appears to be smiling. He's in that. Ivan Cleary mood of, of like he's good looking boy, he's got nice hair and he, he plays well and suddenly he's just thrown the the, the halftime whistle's gone and he's just launched. Well, I'm a Lockwell Lewis guy because I think he's the future of rugby league. As we've divined on this program, you're looking for good looking boys on the journey to men, and that's Lockland mm. Lewis to a T. But he's trying to process a lot of instructions here. First of all, there was form that the South Sydney Rabbitohs got a little bit lippy with their obliteration of the Bulldogs early in the year on the traditional Anzac Day clash. And so when, when Trent Barrett drew up his enormously elaborate gla- mm, excuse me, game plan, as Trent has wont to do, they said, we think Cody is the guy you can kind of get under his skin. So we've got to go a bit of verbal here. And so Lachlan's taken that on board. And he's also very, very aware of the panicked email sent out by the horseman earlier in the week saying, we've got to do something to distract, uh, particularly you Bulldogs, We've got to distract something from the type of football you're playing because the public won't cop it. So he's going, I've got to make this interesting. I'm looking for a brain snap. I've got to get under Walker's skin. So he decided to react adversely when Walker came up with a zinger about go back to reserve grade. And to be honest, it was pretty offensive because I've done the research, Dennis, and you know I love research. And Mm. Lachlan has played five games for Mounties this season, which is the Canterbury-Bankstown Reggies team. And it all just became too much for the kid. And so... The intent was good. He's making his coach happy. He's making the horseman happy. He's making rugby league happy. Unfortunately, he did it between the two halves, ended up in the bin for 10 minutes and cost his team eight points as a result and ultimately the victory. So it, it happened at half time. So he's put yep. in the bin at half time. Does that mean he was in the bin for 10 minutes of half time? No, no. He was in the bin for the first 10 minutes of the following half because This is a measure that's been introduced, I think, off the back of the Dylan Brown knees into the back of Drew Hutchison, where in some weird decision it was decided it was too late to put anyone in the bin for that. So the rugby league, a little bit like there are emergency health orders on in the state of New South Wales at the moment, there are emergency rugby league laws that can be brought into effect at any time at the behest of the horseman. And so (laughs) he has said, we need to be able to discipline the players wherever and whenever we can. And so they've introduced temporary emergency powers, enabling you to put anyone in the bin, not only between the halves of games, Dennis, but at any point whilst these teams are in the bubble. <clears throat> so could you say this is, if, if you're saying this is back to the Drew Hutchison, the knees by Dylan Brown in the back. So like, it's a bit of a jerk move, that isn't it? Putting knees in someone's back. So, could, could oh. would this be called the jerk knee rule, or perhaps the knee jerk rule? Well, you could be onto something there because dog act rule, dog act rule doesn't, doesn't quite have the same no. all encompassing flavour of it, does it? But yeah, I think it is a knee jerk reaction, though. And I also think that it's not a bad idea. I think the fact that the players could be put in the bin at any time will create more interest in the game because if there's some sort of live app you can get onto and you know i think they announced the teams traditionally of a tuesday and they say oh here are here are our teams playing in the bubble you know coming up against your canberra raiders for example but if there's a possibility for one of the selected 17 to be put in the bin at any time you know 
inappropriate conduct at the table tennis table, mm. jumping the queue at the buffet and the bubble. Oh. This this would be fantastic. And people would just be on tenor hooks the whole time saying, well, I'm a Sam Williams fan because, let's face it, that's all we've got here at the Raiders. But he could be every chance of not playing because we know he's got a bit of a hair trigger temper when you're competing for the uh, artificial sweeteners <laughs> at the buffet. And it, again, um, as much as Volandis is trying, and I know I've been possibly guilty of giving him a hard time this season. It's another opportunity missed because I was watching NRL 360 last night and the great Adam Dewey came on. Did you catch his performance for the Tigers on Sunday, Dennis? Uh, yes, I did. And I caught his performance on Monday night as well. Right. Both magnificent. Five try assists and a superb interview with the NRL 360 panel. He's yep. a young leader of our club, Dennis, and he's mm. looking good in the documentary Is he the future? Well. Oh, <laughs> well, he's reasonably good looking. <laughs> Is he the future? He's a boy. Yeah. And he's on a journey to being a man. So he's our future. Fantastic. Um, but he indicated at the Novotel establishment that they're populating in New- in uh, sorry, in Brisbane at the moment, which seems to be the lesser of the three uh, venue precincts, all the referees are staying at the Novotel. Had Volandi sought it through, he would have distributed the Suttons across the three precincts. They'd have a roving commission and, they- and they'd be issuing send-offs and head highs and warnings and... Sin bins, it would have been magnificent because this is an unprecedented opportunity for the rugby league. You've got them all in the one place finally. I know people have been saying islands. It's not practical, but they're as close as they could ever be. And you could actually run this game 24-7, get it all set up on the 5G, on the internet, on the closed circuit TV. And again, we're missing out on golden opportunities and it worries me. You could put one Sutton in each location. You've got you know, exactly. Jerry on the Sunshine Coast, Hopper on the Gold Coast, and Bernie. Bring Bernie back and put him in Brisbane, which obviously he's expressed a love for Queensland. It worked beautifully for him. And then put him in a hermetically sealed vehicle and rotate them every three days so you're mm. getting equal treatment from the Suttons. It's absolutely superb. Because uh, there, there has been a story from uh, Josh Schuster, the um, super sub for the Manly Warringah Seagulls. He was uh, being interviewed on the ABC. And he mentioned about bubble life that Des, he was sure that he'd seen Des peeking through the curtains at 3am, that Des, the mad professor, is walking through the grounds, having a look at everyone, seeing what they're up to. Yeah, this is a worry, of course. They are concerned that the coaches have too much access to players. So they've come up with very specific rules because the likes of Des, they're panic merchants, Dennis, as you well know. And can you Mm. imagine the players not getting the sleep they need because every hour or so there's a knock at the door and a, <laughs> What's going on in there? <laughs> you know, I got a dancer in there. <laughs> Not like Jaira. What's going on? Hey, hey. I mean, it's it's it is a, it's a recipe for disaster. And I can assure you, the teams that do the best are the ones where their coaches keep their noses out of the players' business as much as possible. Did you catch Jaira's haircut, by the way? It's it's quite astounding. It's quite it's quite something. It's uh, I, I yeah. saw it compared to Britney Spears. Yeah, it's like a Larry for a Larry Fine from the the Three Stooges, and I know Joyce had he's had it done tough lately. And I'd say based on his behaviour, I think the South City Rabbitohs, whilst they're filthy with him, they need to keep an eye on him. But getting back to getting back to Lachlan Lewis and his throw, the, the yes. Lachlan Lewis, the technical term, the Lachlan Lewis throw on Cody Walker. Is it possible if we even go back to brain snap number one that in mm-hmm. fact that in fact he was using exactly the same mantra except he just Messed up because he wasn't doing it when he was on the field. Oh, no, it was just a shout-out to Kane. It was, it was Lachlan <laughs> saying, Kane, Kane, I respect everything that you do. I've, re- I've respected your career on and off the field. It's primarily been more interesting off the field. 
And um, you showed real courage in displaying what we all want to do out on the rugby league field. So I'm taking that message and I'm putting it into action. And, and what better a candidate to select for that action than, of course, the great Cody Walker. Well, Kane Evans, in the past, several years ago, Kane Evans had a, a marvellous brain snap where he was playing for the Eels and a Burgess... Is that the brain snap? That was, that was part of the brain snap. That, was a, the, that predates the one I'm talking about, though. And one of the Burgess brothers threw the ball at the, uh, the Parramatta lock and hit him in the face. And Kane was unhappy about this. So as the Burgi ran off, this was Georgie, I believe. Georgie ran off. Kane Evans, with an empty water bottle, one of the most violent things in the world, hurled that empty water bottle at George as he ran past. Now, he got two weeks suspension for that, but clearly Kane didn't learn. But that brings us to brain snap number three. I just jump in off the bench a second early. Uh, no, no, there's a, a third Kane Evans brain snap that uh, some people might not have seen. It was a, an untelevised New South Wales Cup game. Um, uh, by, the way, the, by the way, <laughs> most people wouldn't have seen it. Let's just welcome Redfern Pat. Uh, Kane Evans called out uh, Joseph Vuna, who is now the 30th player for the, in the Titans squad. And he called, uh, he made mention of Joseph Vuna's uh, race. And Joseph Vuna's retort was, we are the same race. <laughs> Ah, ah, this when racism gets even more awkward than normal. But anyway, I mentioned there the Georgie Burgess. Now, George's brother, in that same game that there was the throw, Tommy Burgess had a little go as well. What was Tommy Burgess up to? So there's a wonderful initiative from Men of League Foundation around post-try celebrations by the various players if you put one on, five grand goes into the kick for the Mossy Masoy Fund. Mossy recovering from the spinal injuries he suffered whilst playing Super League, and it's a tremendous so we, cause. We, we saw this last week in the Sharks game, where who was the Sharks player who uh, he pretended to hit Jack Williams, and Jack Williams sold it for all money and took the dive, and then he did the people's elbow. Oh yeah, Hamlin Ueli. Jack Williams. Hamlin yep. Ueli did that. Could it be that this that poor old poor old Lockie Lewis thought a try had been scored and was That's... having another crack at that? <laughs> That's why a little bit of a delayed reaction. Delayed reaction, and look, I'm I mean, telling you, if I'm sports bet, I put five, I put ten grand in the kick for that. I mean, you know, like it was a it, ripper. It, it all goes and to it, a great it, cause. It begs the question: Can uh, Lockie Lewis scored those tries? But can a player do a post-try celebration for someone else's try? Is it something you can outsource? Look, I think it's at the discretion of the agency, Dennis. But I mean, I think it's possible because. I think one thing that's going to upset the modern rugby league player, if under the pressure and the excitement and the tension of the contest, the player who scores the try for reasons like he may not be very familiar with the act of scoring tries might forget to do the celebration. And his teammate says, hang on, we've got to dive in here. Here's an opportunity. I'll do the celebration. Five grand done. Oh, so looking after your teammate, making sure that your teammate, if he, if, if that's part of teamwork. If your teammate makes a mistake, you fix it up, you back them up, you tidy it up for them. And in this case, it was try scoring freak, known by some rabbitos as the GOAT, Mark Nosy Nichols, who scored his fifth try of his career, where 10 years ago he scored one for the Raiders. Last year he scored three in two games, and that's where Cody Walker was calling him a try scoring freak and then howling with laughter at his own jokes. But knows he's gone in. The ball to 
just kind of flew up in the air and knows he happened to be running through, took it off another Rabbitoh and went over, was so astonished that he scored the try, he didn't celebrate. So what did Tommy Burgess do? Well, the camera, for reasons unknown to me, Dennis, was trained on Tommy returning to his position to receive the kickoff. And I think that there's probably a camera that's devoted to any Burgeye backside uh, throughout a game. And, you know, fortunately, there's only one to focus on at the moment. So he's actually dropped his strides and revealed his Reg Grundies with images mm. images of meat pies and three words, fold something. No, um, big, <laughs> big on meat. Now, right. now, the immediate reaction to this was it was a shameless plug for Garlo's Pies, which he has apparently a commercial association with. And you have to say, that's uh. I don't know that whether that's a brain snap or not, because that's like a double whammy if you get money for Mossy Masoy plus you promote the Garlo's Pies. But as <laughs> Redfern Pat immediately alerted everybody to out there on the interweb, it's probably just, let's face it, whenever you're thinking of nether regions and underpants and so forth and meat, uh, Tommy was just giving a shout-out to his brother, George, who's returning for the St. George Illawarra Dragons imminently. And is that going to be his profile picture, the photo of him uh, revealing said meat? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what, uh, I, everything has to evolve. I think it's possible in the future that you'd be able to get a Scanlon's footy card with a picture of George running back, <laughs> exposing his underpants. But I don't think you'd get a full frontal George. But let me tell you, if it was, it might be one of those special hologram cards. So you've actually got to, in order to get the full effect, if you know what I mean, you've got to just tilt it a certain way against the light and then you really see what George is all about, big on meat. I suspect the problem is people are, if they're making rugby league cards collectible, everyone's seen that picture of George. That's, I think it's common. Everyone's got it. You can't, you can't cash in on that because everyone's that's, already got it. That's, a, that, that's right. What are you offering? And you go, well, I've got, a, I've got six George Burgesses in exchange for an Olive Prattle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Make it 10. Now, we've talked on this show ad infinitum about the crackdown. Yes. About the crackdown and the attack to the heads. But there was an attack to the head this week, and I'm not talking about the Toby Rudolph. He was hitting a high shot in the Sharks game, Toby Rudolph, and Toby Rudolph stayed down, and he hasn't got the habit of staying down, Toby. He stayed down. It was clear in the replay that there had been contact with the head. It was accidental, but there was contact with the head, and that's supposed to be penalised. Whereas earlier... Josh, sorry, Jordan Rappiner has crossed the line off a beautiful ball, which was a throwback to the halfback pass on the base of the scrum in the in the Invincibles when the Wallabies used to be used to play rugby. I don't know if they do anymore because now there's only the Willoughby Wallabies. They, no, they're the Willoughby Kangaroos, aren't they? But he's done this full length diving pass to Raps, and Raps has then stepped in field and tr- and scored. And as he's done so, the Kennedy Kitty, the fullback. He's diving to try and stop him. Doesn't quite get there. Oh, I think it was Braden Trindle, wasn't it? It was Braden Trindle. It was too. It was Tricky's boy. Tricky's boy has dived at him. And in the act of just trying to get clear of him, his limp left arm has just gently brushed across his across Gordon's cheek like, a, like he might pinch the cheek of a cherub. It was just a tiny little tap. So much so that Jordan didn't even notice. Now, Jordan, he's not one to grandstand and, and do staging. 
But he didn't even notice. When the referee has called it up for a potential eight-point try, Jordan has pulled quite the face. Did you see the try? Did you see the tackle? Did you see the headshot? Did you see any reason whatsoever other than a brain snap, which will make it number four for the bunker awarding that try? So, Dennis, I think that the crackdown, it's pretty much like all the various stages of grief, you know, denial, anger, et cetera, et cetera. And we've moved into the acceptance stage. Things have gone to the fact that we've gone through the crackdown. Everyone accepts that people are going to get whacked in the head in rugby league and we just get on with it. But just occasionally, there are just little echoes. There are little fine-tuning things. And so on this particular instance, the eight-point try hadn't really been brought out in the context of the crackdown. There was, a, you know, the start of it was had Drew Hutchison hung onto the ball, we might have been in eight-point try territory, but it never happened. So it was just the yep. bunker singing, sending a little gentle reminder. And it was a reminder that echoed all around the world because I know you wouldn't have been silly enough to do this, but I was forced to catch a little bit of the vision of that other code where the Wallabies oh. that still do play were playing on oh. uh, uh, a raggletaggle bunch of French people stuck here because of the borders closing. And early on, Marika Corobietti, if you remember Marika, used to play for the uh, Tigers. He, he's playing for the French, is he? No, no, it's my first try. One scored scored four tries against the Parramatta Reels out at uh, Campbelltown Stadium. Uh, He's gone in in the first five minutes of the game, a little bit of shoulder-on-shoulder contact. You wouldn't have even noticed, of course, the French (laughs) captain, I hasten to point out, has taken a massive dive, and he's been sent off. He's been red-carded, Dennis. For diving. The French captain's been sent off for diving. And so rugby union is saying, first of all, we've got an eye on rugby league that really, really soft contact and extract penalties, and you – only give an eight-point try for that sort of behaviour, we're going to put people off the game. And the best thing was, was that Corabietti just went up to the referee and said, you mean I can't play rugby for the next 75 minutes of my life? God bless you. <laughs> oh, the poor thing. Now, I mentioned that when, when Jordan was, um, he scored the try and he was pretty happy and he's up and he's about and he's layering up. And they then showed his face when uh, the referee said, oh, there's a potential eight-point try here. Can we look at the contact in the scoring of the try. And Jordan Rapana's face and eye roll was very reminiscent of what we saw in the Roosters box last week where Boyd Cordner saw the running back or the back running. Uh, I was about to say Sam Williams, not Sam Williams, his name Sam Walker. Sammy Walker. Allegedly, Sammy Walker. Well, Sammy was Sammy runner backwards instead of Sammy Walker. And well, you, know what, you know why that- he was running, Dennis? Why was he running? Because Lachlan Lewis was chasing him. And Sam Walker was clearly aware of what Lachlan Lewis was capable of, which was shown the following week on poor old Cody Walker. And basically Sam's keyed into the fact that Lachlan operates according to the Kane Evans principle. And let me tell you, all this inconsistency between Rudolph being hit in the head and uh, Braden Trindle clipping numbskull Rapina for no effect yet to an eight-point try. Rugby league's in a mess. It's in a bubble. Volandis is going last card in the pack. The answer is right in front of him. Lachlan Lewis has given the answer, courtesy of Kane Evans. Rugby, I mean, they, they, they're talking about Tina Turner coming out of retirement to do one more lot of simply the best next season. Forget it. Oh. Just simply get the image of Sam Walker running away from Lachlan Lewis. Lachlan Lewis, Lachlan, Lachlan Lewis in Cody Walker, and then just focus in on the wrist of Kane Evans. And there's your logo, <laughs> NRL 2022, fold some... My, Carl Michael, Michael Hunts. Hunts. 
I'd have to re-look at the vision because I'm just wondering whether once the siren had gone, traditionally if you do that running backwards, we discussed that last week, once the siren's gone, you can stop running. But did Sam Walker, did he keep on running because Lachlan Lewis was chasing him? He knew the siren was gone. And Lachlan Lewis, he stops throwing for no siren. He was going to keep going. Sam Walker kept going for two reasons. One, he didn't want Lachlan to catch him. And secondly, because he knew how uh, the everyman, the renaissance man, Coach Robinson, would be unimpressed because it's not the rooster's way and Sam just ran <laughs> ran out the up the race out the back of Bankwest Stadium to one of the waiting limousines that is the typical transport for the roosters wherever they're playing to take them back home pre-bubble now he did play on the weekend didn't he oh yeah Sam, Sam he, he did okay, through, so some, he, so, through some of his stopped, Harbour Bridge passes he has stopped running but I'm thinking at this stage that a brain snap, it seems to be the pressure of time where you have to make a decision. You have to make your mind up in a snap moment. Tigers have, and this shows how off the planet the West Tigers are, as Crawls just pointed out, when it comes to player negotiations and the player market. So a Tigers official a couple of weeks ago picked up the phone, rang the Raiders and said, what would you think if we gave you Luke Brooks and Mitchell Moses, uh, sorry, and, and Moses Embi, and we'll take uh, Jack Whiten and Josh Hodgson? What? <laughs> Well, I think deal. That's what I think. Speaking of brain snaps, that, uh, that's the same. I saw this on Facebook last night. That would be the same as offering uh, Pell Mell and Pentonville Road for Mayfair and Park Lane with hotels. Pell Mell, weren't they a band in the 80s? Well, <laughs> probably were. But this is um, that's how off the planet. So once again, we get into interplanetary travel. We've got the off the planet so- tigers believing that that swap would ever happen. So you're saying that this was a brain snap yeah. from the Tigers? Oh, it had to be. I think. But what? I think it's canny commercial dealing, Dennis. I mean, let's face it. I mean, if if you're going in and you're offering a very successful functioning fullback in the likes of Luke Brooks, you're offering an Origin caliber player of Moses Embi, and you're trying to recruit a player who is so unhappy that he'd rather live in Wigan than he'd li- than live in Canberra, as pretty much every Raider that's been recruited from the north of England concludes, because that's how good Canberra is. <laughs> and you're taking... And you're, you're, you're back in the past, Dennis. You're talking Jackie Boy White in 2019, dare I say 2020 style. He has been busted all year. Well, hang on. I mean, this is, this is all upside for the Raiders, surely. Are you saying I'm back there or are the Tigers back there? Was that the Tigers offer? Was the Tigers offer a time-travelling one? We'll give you Luke Brooks now <laughs> for, Luke, for Jackie Boy 
2019. We'll do a trade, little time swap trade. Anyway, we all know the, the art of negotiation, Dennis. You've got to go to one extreme to order to come back to a middle position. Right. And I don't, I'm not saying that I'm that Tigers official that made that original call. I'm not saying that. But if I did, it was negotiation 101. And I, for one, applaud said official for getting the train moving. So it was an ambit claim. So really, it, I know what they're doing. I can see your plan. You're trying to get Sammy Williams. You're trying to take my Sam. Right. You can't have Sam. He's just re-signed for another year. You can't have him, Madge. Having done this podcast with every week, every week with you, Dennis, I've decided I don't like you very much. So <laughs> if pulling, pulling the heart and soul out of the Canberra Raiders is something that I can do, I'll do it in a, dare I say, heartbeat. Well, we'll get onto it in Media Watch with the Tigers doco. It, it, did, it did nearly make me become a Tigers fan. It was very moving. So maybe if Sam moved across, it might be just enough to tip me over and to rue 89 instead of loving it. Whew. But... Let's move on to another brain snap. There's another brain snap, but this time it's a, it's a media brain snap. So we've got uh, the media reporting on brain snaps, um, but also the media. So Fatty Vorton, after Origin 2, when uh, they were absolutely trounced, Fatty has off mic gone, oh, call off the fight, call off game three, we don't need it. And this was heard, and a lot of people made a lot out of that, that this famous Queenslander spirit was gone, was broken because of the drubbing. So how did Channel 9 take that? Well, let's see what they did, Dennis. You've got to try and find a reason to play the third game. Quite often, you know, in life, if you're feeling a bit down, things aren't going right for you, I think about the origin days. They lift me. It's real. It's palpable. It's fantastic. So what are the players going to play for? Have you, Brace? They may as well call off the third. Well, what a night here. Wow. So I love how they doubled down there. Like, Fatty, they said, look, we're going to turn uh, a negative into a positive. And I think that most people talk, took away from those very heartfelt words from Fatty Vorton, that he used the word palpable. And I think people immediately tweaked. He didn't write that. No, someone wrote that for him off script. I want, reading off the script. I wonder how many times, how many takes it was. Palpable, palpable. What is this? What is this rubbish? Who wrote this? What the hell does this mean? <laughs> but it was an interesting challenge for Channel Nine, and of course, obviously, the Horseman was pulling the reins. Dare I say, in the back to try and make sure that there was life breathed into the otherwise lifeless corpse that is the Origin concept by conjuring up a victory for the. Maroons in Origin 3. I mean, they had Leila McKinnon on the panel with Aaron Mullen yet again absent. They had, they had the likes of Cameron Smith and Darren Lockyer, as people pointed out, Dr. No style, wearing the, the black surgical <laughs> gloves, basically indicating to the New South Wales players that if you had the temerity to do it as a 3 as a 0 whitewash, we're actually going to come at you and strangle you to death and you'll never be able to pin it on us because we've got those gloves on and there'll be no fingerprints around your strangled necks. They went to every length possible, didn't they, Dennis? Wow, indeed they did. And speaking of Origin, there was another apparent brain snap in there because Origin, we've we've had that before, the discussion that uh, Origin's under a different set of rules. It's faster and the players, there's more tolerance. There's a softening up period and... Is the crackdown going to carry over to Origin? And 
There's a couple of high shots and there were questions, are those, are those origin high shots and so they're okay rather than you know week in, week out? If anyone you know, plopped a dead fish on someone's face like uh, Tricky Trindle's boy did to Rapana, they weren't going to get penalised. Or so we thought, because in game three, what did Jerry Sutton decide to do, Chris? We know that the Suttons are by nature rule breakers, Dennis. <laughs> they're not people who obey the rules. So... They basically were left with no other choices in life other than be referees through very poor attempts at schooling. So they've been forced into a profession that they otherwise wouldn't like to be in because they love breaking rules. And so, of course, we've had the crackdown. We've had the edicts. We've had the massive changes to the rules around the set restarts. And then we get to origin time where the crackdown is not just the set restarts. It's protecting the head, dot, dot, dot. And the Suttons have been brought in the line, no more so than Jerry, because he's been charged yet again with the job of refereeing state of origin. And so he's read the Riot Act. It's different. You can't be like you are in club land. You've got to obey the rules. And let me tell you, he did an outstanding job, I thought, in games one and two. Yeah. 76 points to six. Absolutely terrific. But now that it's, and let's face it, it was a dead rubber. He said, I can't help this anymore. I can't follow this edict. I'm going to go back to my nature, and that is to employ the new sets of rules. And he did it with alacrity, temerity, and passion and conviction. And you know what? Ruined the game. So you're saying he reverted to type? He reverted to type. There was 14 set restarts, seven penalties. It was a -a whistle-a-thon. But... And, and those figures come in with the fact that if you actually go back to the first 20 minutes of the second half, you'll find there was nary a set restart to be seen or heard. And this, again, is reflecting the budgetary constraints the NRL is suffering under because what they do is they have the Mongolian gong sound. Dennis, can you provide it for us? That's absolutely magnificent. And, and, of course, the sonorous voice that says, Ruck infringement. Ten They've meters. got that on a thank you. They've got that on a cassette tape. Yes. And there've been so many calls in the first half. The cassette tape is out. Then they've got to rewind the thing. Oh. They've got to find something to rewind it in. Oh. It was just chaos in the NRL box and in the bunker. And that's why you didn't hear any of that palaver for twenty minutes and the game actually took place. And then it returned in the last twenty and the whole thing was ruined. The whole thing was a brain snap. Oh by Sutton and the NRL. Well, and the inside scoop I heard was that, in fact, the cassette, because they were rewinding it so furiously, it had actually thrown and had pulled tape out of the uh, casing. Cool. And they had to... If anyone goes, you got a big pen? We need a well, big they, pen. They needed, and all the pens were round. They needed a hexagonal pen. They needed a, pen, a 2B pencil to try and to get it back in. And it took them ages the to find it. The NRL will be using Sharpies. I mean, those oh. Sharpies are useless, those big fat things. You can't rewind a tape with a Sharpie. No, you're completely useless. So it took them a long time. And, and heaven forbid if the tape snaps and you need to use some sticky tape, because that, that's getting surgical. You need a razor blade at that point. And you don't want to put razor blades in the hands of referees. They're very on-edge people, let me tell you. And people would go, surely they have all this on a USB. As far as NRL concerned, USB is another parcel delivery company. <laughs> exactly. Now, at the end, at the end of Origin, we had the the thank you speeches, and there's there's got to be another brain snap here where the players. We saw the wonderful Terry Bull put out the apology during the week, the pro forma NRL apology. We probably need a pro forma NRL thanks. 
that, you know, thanking the opponents, thanking your mates, thanking all this and that. But who did they decide to thank this time? Uh, yeah, first of all, uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to the state government. First of all, I'd like to say a big thank you to the state government to uh, doing what it took to make this, this game happen. I uh, just want to thank the NRL, all the governments for getting these games on. They've done fantastic. Um, all the state governments for letting us play in front of live crowds. Um... Now, that's all the state governments. I don't know what Daniel Andrews has to do with this because he certainly hasn't let them play. I mean, who is the clown in Perth? What's he doing? You can't thank all the state governments. There's only two state governments involved. And I noticed they didn't thank the federal government. They didn't say Scotty for marketing. Thank you so much for getting this game up and running and for taking control. Oh, it's a war. I mean, they're obviously very trenchantly opposed to the work that Morrison's doing in his capacity as a patron of the Cronulla Sharks. But I tell you what, this is what's happened to rugby league in 2021, Dennis, where players are now thanking governments I mean, they are in the pocket of the governments. And don't tell me that there isn't some sort of kickback arrangement going on. And the likes of Gladys and Palaszczuk in particular said, if you want to play here, if you want to come and put my citizens under threat, you've got to thank me first and foremost. <laughs> and if there's one thing a rugby player, rugby league player can do is follow instructions when it comes to a presentation. And we are very grateful to the likes of Terry Ball, who's got this pro forma apology, which is going to get a a bit of a working out. I think you can get on our Facebook page and also into our group Blowing Up Deluxe, which we'd love you to come and join and see Lachlan Lewis's apology for his Lachlan Lewis throw on Cody Walker. And I have to say that origin presentation, post-match presentation, had all the issues about, well, they should have got the shield after game two. The, you know, it yeah. felt flat. Yeah. But it was pouring rain. And that had a real positive. Everybody got off that platform as fast as, or that podium as fast as they could. And let me tell you, the other great thing about it, what a great equaliser rugby league is, the only people who didn't get booed were Megan Davis and Katie Jones from the Australian Rugby League Commission, their board members. I mean, daily Cherry Evans copped at the Lux from the Gold Coast crowd because a rugby league fan never forgets, Dennis. <laughs> never forgets, even though there are people who, uh, I believe from the Tigers, who question whether they're to remember that sort of thing or not. I can't comment on that, Dennis. You know no, of that. Of course you can't. I'm, but, I'm, I'm too busy talking to the Raiders. But when you've got <laughs> trying to get Sammy Williams, but when you've got people thanking Mark McGowan and Andrew Barr for State of Origin, it's obviously it's it's quite a ridiculous thing. And finally, finally, another brain snap. And this time it's it's Greg Brandy Alexander. Gee, it'd be good to get him on the show. Greg Brandy Alexander. Yeah, and if you can listen to this, I think you can actually hear the moment rather than my rather uh, low-tech hand clap indicating the brain, brain snap, I think you can hear the brandy brain snap in this audio. Would you rethink the decision now of who you played at 6 and 7 for New South Wales if you had the chance again? Uh, no, probably not. You know, it was a, from the line of questioning, um, it doesn't sound like you agree that Moses and Jack White deserve the crack at origin. In hindsight, it's easy to say, yeah, you should have gone with a club combination in South Sydney, but... Uh, that is in hindsight. And, was that coaching you know, then, Brandy? Or, or like, I'm not, I, we're not trying I'm to be sorry, critical. Of the I'm just saying, like, is that coaching? Why was that not... Why did that come to fruition last night when you were playing the game and you only got to find out when you were playing the game? So I got to find out why. That, what do, what that, you... that perhaps they weren't... The, the combination wasn't right. The, was like... was. Was Jack White and told he's a great runner of the ball? Was he encouraged to run the ball more? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. He was poor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was encouraged to run the ball. Mitch Moses Pass the ball had early, then run. Mitch Moses had no runs for no metres. We heard all week about Mitch doesn't have to do anything. All he's got to do is kick the ball. Well, it appears he took that literally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Candy. Yeah. Well, no, I'm asking you, you, Brandon. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to have Paul, a crack at you. Paul, well, I think I think you are. Well, Your I'm, line of questioning is always aggressive. But Paul, Mitch Moses wasn't told not to run the ball, if that's what you mean by right. coaching. What about now, then, what about then at no, half-time, like when you tried to readjust? The combinations, sorry. Well, we are talking about combinations, Brandy. Yeah, yeah, go, keep going, keep firing. <laughs> I'm saying Brandy's right about you and you're too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Far too aggressive. I haven't even, I'm with Brandy. I haven't even begun yet, Buzz. Oh, Wow. <laughs> I've actually been on uh, the other end of a, of a tough interview with Brandy Alexander, and when he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. And, of course, many people would argue, um, without the benefit of hindsight, they should have played Cody Walker and uh, Adam Reynolds as many were before they kicked off an Origin 3. But what did you think of that, Dennis? Well, it, it seems like the only two people in the entire state of New South Wales, and we'd like to thank the government for that, um, Freddie Fittler and Greg Brandy Alexander were the only two that thought it was a good idea to put Jackie Boy and Mitchell in there. And I mean, that, there were people saying, oh, how good was Mitch Moses? His defence was fantastic. He's a, he's a halfback. He's not there to defend. He's there to be protected by his back rower. He's not there to make tackles, and that's what he was doing. He's meant to be scheming and making plays and running the forwards and getting six again, getting putting the ball in the end goal and getting a repeat set. And he did none of it. He's supposed to have a little run now and again. Put him in two mines. Is he going to run? Is he going to pass? Is he going to kick? That's three mines. What? And he did nothing except break his back. Yeah. How rugby league is that? that, How rugby league? He did absolutely nothing except break his back. (laughs) And hence the zero run metres. And one was surprised that Brandy didn't play the broken back card during during the defence of poor old Mitch Moses. And it it does actually just remind me that Benny Elias went into bat for for Mitch before uh, the broken back uh, revelations and said that um, someone more important than the New South Wales Premier backed up Mitchell Moses and he's referring, of course, to Brad Fittler. And I think we can all agree the New South Wales origin coach is more important than the Premier and would probably do a better job with the pandemic than poor old Gladys at the moment trying to hitch her wagon to a rugby league team yeah, well, at the exclusion of all others. The retort was good, though. This will go on and on and on. I mean, they'll be desperate to get Brandy in front of Kenny on 360 soon. But Kenny in his Saturday column described Greg as Alexander the advisor. Ooh. And... And I think that this was a tremendously missed opportunity from Paul Kent's part because surely he should have dubbed him Alexander the Great Advisor. <laughs> well, my main problem with uh, with Mitchell Moses is that now that he's injured, the Eels don't have him in their side to play the Raiders this weekend. And I'd much rather have the Raiders playing a Mitchell <laughs> Moses-led uh, Parramatta Eels than a not. They've got the Arthur Kitty in there. Well, I was going to say, thank heavens that, it, that they're not opening up Bank West expecting a bumper crowd to see Williams take on Arthur. Oh. But uh, no wonder the no, no wonder the Eels are looking for Anthony Milford. <laughs> Gee, there must be a fair bit of panic out West Way as far as the Eels are concerned. But then this takes us to the biggest brain snap of all. And this one, this one took the cake. This is, this was astonishing. We've got a man who's the coach. He's been the coaching director of the Panthers recently. 
Uh, he's instigated a five-year plan over there. He was called to do a coaching review of the Dragons, and he went there and they did absolutely nothing with the uh, report he did. And then he took a coaching job, a coaching uh, overseer as uh, at, at the Warriors. But he said a few days ago, I can't in all consciousness, in all conscience, take a job from the Warriors when I can't be near them because of COVID. And having said that comment that he couldn't, because of COVID, he can't be near the players, therefore he can't do the coaching director's job. Chris, what does he go and do? The biggest brain snap of all, Dennis, is Gus Gould as the football manager for the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Whoa! Now, the question is, though, I think it's a double brain snap because, A, why are the Bulldogs getting Gus back? B, what does Gus see over there? And has Gus, he, he said this, he was going to do this is last, late last week, this news came out. Could it be, in fact, that a bit of Carmichael Hunt folding was a result of Gus and that Lachlan Lewis had been told that, that Gus, who we know Gus likes a phone call. We know Gus likes a late yes. night phone call, a midnight phone call, a 6 a.m. phone call. He's on the phone. <laughs> is there any talk of uh, either of those boys, of, of Burjai or of um, Matt Lodge going to the Bulldogs? There's not too much talk. There's talk of Pangai Jr.'s already Pangai signed. Pangai Jr., uh, yep. yet, another blo- yet another blow for the Tigers. But, but I think that there's a, a broader picture here. You mentioned Gus's activity. There's been revelations that he was texting CEO of the Bulldogs, Aaron Warburton, up until midnight on Friday, his first day in the job, and was back on the job at 6.30 the following morning. He's uh, left with the blessing of the CEO of the Warriors, Cameron George, who says, I rate Gus as a human so highly. As a football manager, not so much. Uh, Gus has revealed that uh, on the Friday night, before he retexted Andrew Warburton, he took out his newly arrived Bulldogs polo. And Gus was said, I laid them on the table last night and took a moment to look at the colours, probably because he's forgotten what was involved. And uh, revelations that really the, the, the person who brokered this deal, the person that brought the dogs back and Gus back together was none other than Buzz Rothfield. <laughs> and people are trying to look at all these things and looking for signals and what does it mean and what does it mean for the Bulldogs, particularly because Gus has says it's going to take as long as it takes. And I ask you to look at the bigger picture, Dennis, at the cosmic ballet that goes on and that is striking fear in the heart of a very, very important and valuable section of our community. And it's a section of our community that I know that you value and love, Dennis, because Gus Gould coached, Penrith Panthers. Yep. He went on to coach the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. He then went on <laughs> to coach another team. Then he went on to be the football manager for the Penrith Panthers. Mm-hmm. And now the football manager for the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. This is one step to his ultimate mission. And be very, <laughs> very afraid, Sydney Roosters fans, because Gus Gould is coming to manage the Sydney Roosters. Ooh. Well, with that, I've been so inspired by Gus coming back to the dogs that I've uh, I've had to amend the um, the classic from Rugby League, the musical, about Gus. So here's the new version.
Clouds have got themselves a new boss man. He's been around rugby league since the game began. On Channel 9, he'll give sublime kick kick commentary. Oh my god. While he takes the family club back to the premiership. When you listen to the way he speaks, you'll hear Gus truly believes He's the man who invented rugby league No, 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 no He invented not finding touch with penalties Goal takes the kick, oh, he's failed to find touch And he invented saying brilliant in commentary Brilliant, 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 brilliant He invented swearing in press conferences and he invented being sent from the coach's bench. The referee is sending the Penrith coach You want a five-year plan? Yeah, he's your man. He makes a new one at the drop of a hat. He's the man who invented rugby league. Come on. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. He invented jumping out of the commentary box. If they award this, I will jump out of the box. Then he invented not jumping out of the commentary box. He invented stealing Laurie Daly's chair. I went to grab the suit, so obviously grabbed it before me. He invented whatever the hell it was he did with his hair. He invented giving Ivan Cleary the sack. He invented bringing Ivan Cleary back. Didn't like Anthony Griffin, so he gave him the hook. When you're in Gus's kitchen, he's the only cook. He says, No, 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 Gus Gould. So, what had Ray and his listeners so fired up? Next question. Next question. I can't tell you the truth. I can't tell you the, the, the way that game panned out because I'll get fined. So uh, I'm not going to answer any questions. I've done my job. Thanks. G'day, gents. What do you got for us, Pat? What have I got? As you guys know, I'm a big footy fan. And I know that uh, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we get to watch footy. Sunday, we get to watch footy. So imagine my surprise when I sit down and watch Channel 9 on Wednesday and there's football on. I'm thinking, what's going on? But luckily, the commentators will help out. We've got a genuine origin game here tonight. Nothing fancy from the Maroons. That's an origin one. That's an origin one. Now, it was an origin game. So to, it's important what? that they tell you that their origin plays, because otherwise, I don't know what's going on. And it might... No, clearly. Well, I, I can explain it to you, Pat. I'm telling you, the Channel 9 powers the be have looked at their investment in State of Origin, and the body is on the slab, and they've got the paddles on it, and they're going, clear! And so they've got to try and remind the punters, no matter what you actually see and know, because I don't care what anyone tries to tell you, that was the deadest of dead rubbers. Gus and his crew is charged with reminding you, oh, it's fending him. Well, it's also not out of character for them, because this is from a, from a normal telecast. Oh my God, he's a player, this guy. He's a real player when he's fit, Jack Bird, isn't he? <laughs> he's a player too, isn't he? Oh. So in a normal game, what they'll do is they'll tell you, he's a player. And then so me at home, I don't Got panic it. and think there's pitch invaders. <laughs> and I can- yep. <laughs> and then during an origin, so as not to confuse me, they'll tell me, oh, he's an origin player. And I'm like, 
Ah, uh-huh. but what do you do? What do you do with this information? Well, again, the Channel 9 uh, analysts uh, are here to help. Let the players decide who wins the games. Let the players decide the result. So the, the players on the field are the ones who decide the outcome of the game. And on a Wednesday night, it's the Origin players who are there to decide the game. Right. So it's all... So if a player, oh. if a player turns up for Origin... Yes. Would that be a pitch invader? Because it has to be an origin player, just like a Simon Says sort of thing. Unless it's an origin player, he's a pitch invader. Uh, well, I believe that uh, during club games, you'll get some of the expert Channel 9 analysts will say, well, that's an origin play. So I believe Ooh. that similar to uh, Chris and Dennis, you'll know this at a, at a music festival or a music performance. Once you get your, your artist pass that gets you to the lower security oh. areas. So once you're an origin player, then you can go to the other other areas. It's your triple A pass. It's your triple A pass. Now big one we gotta talk about yep. is this is the West Tigers Tiger Town. Tragic Tales from Isn't Tiger it, Town. You know, Wild West's Tales. Isn't it from just Tiger. every loss? You're just wrenching. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the get we've all seen it. Yes. I've seen yep. it, yes. I've actually got Chris. Uh, we we could talk about it to our, uh, our our dear listeners, listener maybe. Um, but we actually got um, uh, we've got you. We got your your reaction. <clears throat> yeah, I'll keep going back to ah uh, fucking hell. Got me you blokes. That was that was Chris Gale there, watching his beloved Tigers oh. go down gallantly to a, uh, a top four Eels. And they were so resilient. They were so resilient. And they got Chris. Yeah. Brave. They can Brave got resi- me. Look, look, I could go on forever and I won't. But I do well, want to say look this. Look, judging by First the time, all, I think we have. Mike, <laughs> one thing that's made very, very clear from this documentary is that when you go in to be interviewed as a first grade coach, the first question you're asked is, are you prepared to swear a lot? And if you answer, <laughs> Michael, like an oath I am, you automatically get the job. And I think, you know, apart from the emotion, which we're all familiar with with Madge, we know that he can tear mm. up. We know oh, that yeah. he yep. really lives the game. He's very passionate. Uh, I think people, to a degree, the layperson might have been a bit taken aback by the profane language that he was saying, particularly after the first loss against. I can't remember who they beat, lost to Raiders in round one. It's a blur. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Thanks, Pat. And and uh, Madge walks in and goes, "Look, just a simple message today, boys, after the loss." And then he just can't help himself, and he's just Michael Lucking this, and Michael a- Lucking that, and folding some Carmichael Hunts back up on the board. <laughs> he had another simple message. Yes. So get big Tommy fired up. Coaching 101. But the, but there was a beautiful juxtaposition where we had the heartwarming victory against the Newcastle Knights on the road and disrupted the celebrations for Mitchell Pierce, the 350th, including a beautiful scene where, where our West Tiger CRO Justin Pascoe bailed up Junior Pierce and Junior seemed perplexed as to why is, why is Keith Urban stopping me? I don't even know him. I don't even like his music. Um, was uh, Moses Emboy had his young daughter in the rooms? And so you see Madge doing the post-game address and there wasn't a swear word in it. And if you actually look closely at that vision, she was paying attention. Oh, well, at least one. 
least <laughs> she had one yes, in the room. So he hasn't. She's, com- she's all in. He hasn't completely lost the dressing. She's ready to go out and fold did, some Carmichael Hunts. Did you I guys enjoy it. it? I'm ready to run through a, a brick wall for match. Well, <laughs> the the problem is though. Because of the Olympics, we don't get another one until the second week of what? August. You're kidding. Ep2 Ep is not until the second week of August. It's like the 8th of well, August or something. Yeah. Oh, no, because Ep2 is yeah, the well, big one. I don't one. follow the NRL yeah. season, contrary to the start of this segment, what I said. But I am on board with the West Tigers, and I really think they can turn their season around against the struggling Cowboys at Leichhardt Oval to honour the memory of Tommy Rodonikin. <laughs> so I need to see them do that in the next episode. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, stay tuned, but be patient. Mm. Yeah, well, look, I, no spoilers, but we, we will have the producer of the show on here as a guest once it's all been to air, so there can be no spoilers. Um, but episode two, it's been the working title is The Red Wedding. <laughs> um, alternative title was Blood in the Dressing Rooms. So it's, it, boy, it, uh, it's going to fire up for the second episode. And the day that we're referring to, gentlemen, I was there. Oh, there was a few. There's actually a few. <laughs> it, boy. What else? Feedback. 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 Let's go. Do you have a Do you have a Janet Jackson fact for us, Chris? I do. That Janet Jackson didn't always have ambition to be a singer. What do you think that Janet Jackson aspired to in her youth? What Rug- a rugby league she- a rugby league player. Cool. Pretty close. Horse racing jockey. Really? Ooh. And, well, yeah. well, she could have gone to horse jockey, and then you sort of, that might be a uh, like a, a median profession to get to rugby league, a la... Billy Slater. Billy Slater. So, Billy she Slater. Think, so she yeah. wanted to be a beach, and, beach sprinter? No, no. She wanted, uh, like your new mate, uh, Xavier Ooh. Savage, who looks like he could be a former beach sprinter. But uh, she aspired to be a jockey. It's not well known that um, many, many years ago, and out of the public eye, her and Billy Slater did briefly date... <laughs> But it, it didn't. It, it didn't work out. But people, when when Billy is asked how was it dating Janet Jackson, he of course oh, went. Oh wow! <laughs> she she also aspired to become a lawyer. But as it was being pointed out, at the age of seven, she first performed at the Las Vegas Strip as a singer. So she was never destined to pursue either of those careers. So was she looking at? Was Michelle Payne looking at her as a uh, as a mentor? Is that is that what got Michelle into riding the Melbourne Cup winner? Well, we talked about Janet's. We talked about Janet's acting chops previously, and I think again another missed opportunity was they probably should have cast Janet Jackson in the Michelle Paint story. They should have, as as the coach. I will I will just point one thing that that popular trope of the uh, beat sprinter. I was talking with one Jonathan Aloysius Gibbs on the weekend. You'd never guess what Jonty used to do when he was a kid. Host no. host jockey. He he was the sweep in a circle. Beach sprinter. He's a champion oh, wow. beach oh, wow. sprinter. But what else you got for us, Pat? So we got uh, today in, in the the from the Fire Up fans, we got a bit of a, a Hall of Fame um, of contributions. So a good friend of the show, Ed Smith, pointed out that Gus is doing a week of Zoom calls that he's posting about in his first week at the Bulldogs after he said he couldn't fulfill his commitment to the Warriors because <laughs> he couldn't be there face-to-face. Yep, 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 yep. So maybe he's only just discovered Zoom. If, imagine if he discovered it a week ago, he could he'd still be at the Warriors. I know, right? Poor old Kane Evans would have wouldn't be out of pocket oh. five grand. Yes, he was uh, making fun on hundred percent footy that he'd be zooming a lot, and I think he thought he was making a cheeky drug reference. But so anyway. this is what so oh, this yeah. is exactly what's happened. Gus during the week as Warriors coach mentor has gone Kane. 
bowled some Carmichael hunts, and he's taken over the bulldog job. Uh, Immediately, he's gone to Matt Lewis, to Luke Lewis. What's his name? Lachlan Lachlan. Lewis, Matt Lewis, Lachlan, and said, fold some Carmichael's. It's it's all Gus Gould. It's all Gus Gould. It's the Gus Gould way. Well, Ronson Blake, he's saying that Gus is spreading like a certain virus. (laughs) Maybe a certain strain of a certain virus. The G strain. The gamma strain. The the gamma strain. How far off are we that? That'll be lockdown 2025. Well, I hope we don't get to the Amiga strain. Uh, Andrew Ison saying that the Melbourne Storm were posting about Aaron Booth dislocating his shoulder but putting it back in, suggesting that robots can't can't dislocate bones. Ooh. So maybe it's some sort of uncanny valley feature <laughs> um, these new robots have. Yeah, I, I said to Andrew, we've got to understand the evolution of the Melbourne Storms, that they are the best in leading the world at genetic engineering. So anything is possible under Bellamy's mm. watch. Terry Ball pointed out that the Titans are wearing white shorts and a blue and gold jersey, while the Eels are wearing a white jersey and blue and gold shorts. And then on top of that, you had the Knights and Melbourne both wearing the same colored jersey. But as Terry Ball pointed out, they're both running in the same direction, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) A man that I'll uh, only refer to as Mr. Stinson, I pointed out that Gus played and coached soccer. He actually coached Sydney Olympic to two grand finals. <laughs> he, he, uh, wow. He actually did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Gus says it, so it must be true. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Was this on the other planet, on planet Gus? <laughs> no, we did get an update on planet Gus that we'll hear next week. Um, uh, Lynn, who we love very much, Hi, suge- suggesting that Billy Slater might just be the game's greatest thinker uh, based on this, which was on our socials uh, during the week. Walker needs to ask himself, what's more important, feeling good about slapping someone or the semi-final that's at stake? So <laughs> this, 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 this from the man who blatantly sold the charge in the lead up to a grand final, it still got to play. So say nothing of the seven weeks he got for putting kicking John Scandalis in the head, but like Art Oval, goodness me. Wow. We do have a great contribution, and I think the first time I said this name, I, I did it terribly, so I'm glad I didn't. Scare uh, Stephen Jaducci away, uh-huh. who was listening to SEN and pointed out that they have a regular segment on Thursdays. It's time to rattle the cage with Mark Spud Carroll. Oh, I'll tell you what, I love this part of the day. I love it. I'm fired up! All right. Thank you, Spud. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, personal message to Stuart Marler. Uh, thanks for your message. I will get on to that. It's just our our build up to this week would uh, would make Paul Green blush. We had a uh, we had a terrible lead in this week. <laughs> a per- it wasn't our best. A personal no. message. You swiping left or right, Pat? Uh it was a, it was a great suggestion. So I'd probably go right. Right, and this is Marla. Uh, then- Marla, who, this is the guy who wrote Stuart- the, sim- the symphony for a thousand voices, or a different Marla. Uh, oh, he's still alive. World. No, that Marla was yeah, 18th uh, century composer. Well, yeah, no, it's early yeah. 20th century. I think he's M-A-R, not M-A-H. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yep. And that's it for me. And what about then Chris's kooky correspondence corner? Well, I have to say it's been a little quieter from my neck of the woods, and I think Pat's just been doing such a wonderful job uh, encouraging the – emerging community on blowing up deluxe we really want people to apply to join everybody is welcome everyone will be accepted 
And it's where the Fire Up fans can sort of take over the narrative because they are much funnier and clever than we are, guys. And uh, I just have a couple of personal things that I wanted to uh, highlight. I got a beautiful text from former producer of Fire Up on FBI Radio 94.5 FM on your radio dial, Bronco Reg. Bronco Reg. Uh, Accepting with uh, last weekend's result that the Broncos are gone and now says, particularly off the back of the Tigers' doco, he really hopes that the Tigers makes the last eight, which is a really, really beautiful message. And and a shout-out to Reg and Annalise, who, of course, were due to get married uh, the weekend after next and would not have to put it on hold because the second episode of the Tigers' doco was on. <laughs> but but because of uh, the COVID situation, they've had to delay the wedding for a few months, and some would see that as a an event in frustration. I would describe that as an opportunity, Reg. And um, finally, a shout-out to, you know, you know, the godfather of this show, and we refer, of course, to Stephen Ferris. The very, very sad news over the last few days of the death of Andy Glitcher, who was a great friend of Stephen's. They, if you can believe it, guys, they DJed together for the first time that either of them had ever DJed. So you got Ferris and Glitra doing the job first up. And so obviously they've been bonded and so responsible for the really the birth and the growth of dance music in Sydney. And it was a, a real great tragedy that Andy had passed. Stephen did an absolutely sterling job playing tribute to Andy on his sold-out show on uh, FBI, which you can catch on 5 p.m. on Sundays. And, you know, to compound things, obviously his team hasn't been doing very well. So I thought in honour of uh, Stephen and, and indeed Andy, who was a, a big football fan, loved Chelsea and loved his English cricket team, I thought I'd come up with a new segment to try and lift spirits at what's a really difficult time. And so this will be a regular segment. It's called New Reasons to Hate the Sydney Roosters. Ooh. And I quote from the paper. Uh, uh, Chris, can I just point out, we're, we're, we're running way over time. You can't be dropping something. This is, we're going to be here all night. It's a quick one. It's something to take away as a little bonus. In right. one instance over the weekend, the Sydney Roosters gave up three six-again calls in one tackle by shamelessly standing offside while the Cowboys attacked their try line, yet the sim bin was ignored. To quote New South Wales coach Brad Fittler, they were taking the piss. Well, with that, with a fired up Gus, a fired up uh, Freddie, he's fired up. We're all fired up. Let's let the people go here. Thank you for listening. Again, please join us on the, uh, I've just complete brain snap, lost the name. Facebook. At Fire Up Rugby League, Instagram at Fire Up Rugby yes. League, Twitter at Fire Up NRL. Blowing, Blowing up the Facebook That's what degree. I was after. Please join us there. Tell your friends. Give us a rating for the show. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.